You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's unending help in Ramah Shemesh Israel, 5769-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayeshev. In the Parsha we find the story of Yosef, Joseph and his brothers, how Yosef was singled out by Yaakov Avinu, by Jacob. He was favored, he was given the Ksonas HaPasim, the special coat of many colors, and the brothers hated him. At the very beginning of the story, so we have these two important dreams that Yosef has. And in the first of the two dreams, so Yosef, so he's standing there with his brothers and they're gathering these bundles, these sheaves of some kind of produce. And lo and behold, these sheaves, so 11 of the sheaves, they surround one sheaf, the sheaf of Yosef. And that sheaf stands up and the others bow down to the, the sheaf in the middle, Yosef's sheaf. That's the first dream that he has. He tells that dream over to his brothers. His brothers get very upset. What do you think? We're going to bow down to you. We're going to be, where you're going to be king over us. That's the first dream. Now, then the verse, the, the Torah tells us a second dream that Yosef has. And in the second dream, so he's up, who knows where he is exactly, but he sees this moon and the stars and the sun and they're all bowing down to him. That's the second dream. He tells the dream over to his brothers again. They get really upset. What do you think that we're going to bow down to you? Our 11 stars in the dream represent 11 brothers. You think we're going to bow down to you? And they get all upset. So that's the basic idea of what's happening here at the beginning of the Parsha. And one of the things, we're going to ask a few questions, but the first question I'd like to ask is that, why is it that this dream, it seems to be the same dream? That's how the brothers interpret it, that's how they understand it. Why does it occur twice? So when we look in the Torah far, further on, in two weeks from now we're going to read the Parsha of Miketz, and there, so Paro also has two dreams. And when Yosef interprets the dreams, he explains to Paro that the reason that he had the dreams twice is because the, the matter has already been decided from Hashem, that it's going to happen, it's, very gonna, it's going to be happening very soon, and that's why it happened twice, to confirm that it's something immediate and it's something that's been decided. Now, that explanation does not help us to understand why this dream happened here twice, because it's clear that the brothers did not bow down to Yosef right away. They didn't bow down for another 22 years at least. And so the art scroll actually mentions the shot and understanding that the, the story began right here. The events began to roll themselves. The events began with the selling of Yosef. And th- that event was what would cause eventually that they would bow down to him. But I'd like to get a deeper understanding of this because I think that they're really not comparable. In fact, if we look carefully at the verse that's speaking about Paru's dreams, so there's actually a very clear difference between the way the Torah describes the second dream of Paro and the second dream of Yosef. If we look in chapter 41, verse 5, when it's speaking about the second dream of Paro, so it says, Vayishan, he went to sleep, Vayachalim Shenis, and he dreamt a second time. It's clear that the verse is describing the second dream already, as Paro is experiencing it, as the same dream happening a second time. Now when we go back to the verses where, where Yosef is having his dreams, so it says there in chapter 37, verse 9, it says, Vayachalim oid chalim acher. And he dreamed another dream. It sounds very clear to me, at least, from the verse, that the second dream is a completely different dream than the first dream. So what's the understanding? What is the second dream? What is the difference between the first dream and the second dream? What is the message of the first dream? What is the message of the second dream? There's another important question. On the surface, it's going to sound like a cutesy question, but this this question is actually very incisive, a very important question that we need to understand. In Yosef's second dream, so he sees the stars and the sun and the moon, and they're all bowing down to him. This question might strike you as funny, but the question is, what do stars look like when they bow down? I mean, I can imagine what a sun looks like when it bows down, or when a moon looks like it's bowing over, but what does it mean that the stars are bowing down? 
Another thing I'd like to point out is we need an explanation to understand why as soon as we finish with the story of Yosef, where the brothers sell him down to Egypt and he ends up becoming part of the home of Potiphar. Right after that, the Torah breaks and tells us the story with Yehuda and Tamar, where Tamar, so she ends up fooling, tricking Yehuda into having relations with her so that she can produce the children that she's meant to have from him. Why is that story placed right after the sale of Yosef? There's another point that I'd like to focus on in the parsha, at the very end of the parsha. So the Torah describes how Joseph was thrown into jail because Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He wouldn't give in. He wouldn't give in to that lust, that desire. And Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to have relations with her, and he was thrown in jail. And there he meets these two men, the Sarha Oifim and the Sarha Mashkim, the one who was the wine bearer for the for Paro, for the king, and the one who was the bread, the one who baked the bread for the king. And they were both incarcerated for some kind of crime, and each one of them has their dream. And when Yosef comes to interpret their dreams, he turns to the Sarah Mashim, he says that your dream means that you're going to be freed in three days. When you get out of here, says Yosef, please don't forget about me. Please remember me and mention my name to Paro because I've been incarcerated here for a crime I didn't commit. After that, the Torah at the very end of the Parsha tells us that the Saramashkim is indeed freed. And what happens? He forgets about Yosef. He doesn't remember Yosef. So our sages tell us that the fact that Yosef asked this man to help him out, to ask this Saramashkim, the cupbearer, to help him out and remember him and mention him to Paro, that was a lack of bitachon, a lack of trust in God. He shouldn't have said anything. And because he made that mistake, so he ended up staying in jail for another two years. So the question here, of course, is, what is the big deal? Yosef is doing his status, he's doing it, he has to put in his efforts. In last week's parasha, Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, he, he wasn't punished for doing, putting in efforts when it came to fighting against Esau. If anything, it was the opposite. The presents that he gave him and all the different things that he did were clearly instrumental in him being successful in fighting against Esau. So why is it that for Yosef, for him to do any status, to do any efforts, that's a crime. But for Yaakov Avinu, it's okay. What's the understanding of that? There's one more point I'd like to mention that will tie into everything that we're going to say soon, Be'ezus Hashem, with God's help. And that is, it's going to be found in chapter 30, verse 25, back in Parshas Vayetze. There the verses tell us, Vayihi kasher yolda Rachel Yosef, and it was, when Rachel gave birth to Yosef, Vayimer Yaakov el Lavan. Yaakov says to Lavan, Shalcheni ve'elcha, send me out and I will go, el artsi, to my place, to my land. What's amazing and interesting here is that Rashi says that why was it that as soon as Yosef was born, that's when Yaakov said it's time for us to go? Because as soon as Yosef was born, Yosef is called the Sitna Shel Esav. He's the one who is the corresponding power to Esav. We have to know what this means. That's really the question here. But as soon as Yosef was born, so Yaakov was able to trust in Hashem that now he could return back to his father's home. That's what Rashi says. Unbelievable thing. We need to understand what does that mean that Yosef is the corresponding force to Esav. He's the balancing force. Now Yaakov can return. How do we understand that? So before we answer this question, I'd like to introduce you to a concept that is quite novel and quite beautiful. And it's the concept of Mashiach, the concept of Mashiach, the Messiah. So besides for there being the well-known Mashiach bin David, Messiah who comes from the house of David, there's also another Mashiach. There's a Mashiach bin Yosef, a Mashiach who his characteristics, he comes in a certain sense from the tribe of Joseph, from Ephraim, and in another sense he takes on all the spiritual qualities of Yosef. Thus, we can examine the character of a Yosef and the character, the role of Mashiach ben Yosef. And in a certain sense, we're talking about the same individual. 
Now you could ask, why do we need two different messiahs? Don't, isn't one enough? Can't we have one guy that does all of the jobs? So we need to understand that there are two different roles. Mashiach bin David, his job is completely different. The messiah who comes from David is completely different than the Mashiach who comes from Yosef. Mashiach bin Yosef, his job, similar to Yosef Atzadik, Yosef Atzadik was involved in providing for the physical welfare of the Jewish people. When the Jewish people came down to Egypt, he provided for everything that they needed. He gave them a place to live. He gave them Goshen. He gave them food to eat. Everything that they needed, their physical needs were completely provided for by Yosef. In a certain sense, that's what Mashiach bin Yosef's job is as well. His job is the physical creation of Klal Yisrael. His job is building the physical base Hamigdash, the temple itself. His job is rebuilding the land of Israel. His job is bringing the Jewish people as a nation physically back into the land of Israel. Not only that, but hear this, this is so powerful, very important. Mashiach bin Yosef, his job is to bring about the ultimate downfall of Esau. That needs explanation. Hopefully, with Hashem's help, we'll explain that soon. Mashiach bin David, the Messiah who comes from the house of David, on the other hand, his job is a different job. His role is to bring the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, into the base Hamikdash, to bring the Divine Presence into the Jewish people, into the land of Israel, into the physical, to infuse the physical with spiritual. That's Mashiach bin David's job. And interestingly, Mashiach bin David is the one who brings about the ultimate downfall of Yishmael, which is a different aspect that also needs explanation. For now, let's focus, however, on Mashiach ben Yosef. How does he accomplish? What are his means to accomplishing the defeat of Esau, the ultimate defeat of Western values? How does he accomplish that? He accomplishes that with something called emuna. Emuna is trust. It's faith. It's belief. It's not just believing. It's not just knowing even. It's knowing and being faithful to that belief, even when everything around says the exact opposite. This is something that's clearly reflected in the life of Yosef. Yosef has a dream. He knows something's going to happen. There's great things in store for him. What happens right away, right immediately, he's sold as a slave. He could get depressed. He could get, he could be beside himself with sadness. Nothing gets him down. Everywhere he goes, he has faith. He has that imuna, that trust in Hashem. Every single step he takes, he trusts Hashem. Everything you try to do, he says at the end of the story, he says to the brothers, you thought that it should be for bad, but Hashem had different intents. But that's something that he had in mind the whole way through, and that's evident from his attitude. Everywhere he goes, he rises to the top. In Potiphar's house, he becomes the main man in his household. When he gets thrown in jail, he becomes the main man in jail. And then he rises again to become the main person in Egypt. And at every stage, what does he say? He says, it's not me. It's all Hashem. I don't have anything of my own. It's all God. There's that trust, that absolute faith that everything's going to be okay. That's the emuna, the supernatural ability to stand above his situation, his conditions. That's what Yosef was. That's what Mashiach ben Yosef will also have. He'll have that emuna. He'll infuse the Jewish people with an emuna, with a supernatural faith in God. And that faith will lead to the destruction of Esau. Esau, as we've mentioned before, is the one who says there's nothing deeper. There's nothing more than the physical world. To, to battle that type of force, that type of power. So we need to have a belief in the supernatural world. This point is the reason that Yosef was called to task. When he said to the Saramashkim, to the cupbearer, he said to him, remember me, don't forget me. The reason he was called to task is because his mita, the place that he excelled was in his amuna, his trust in God. For Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu had a different mita. His mita was the mita of Emes. 
of truthfulness. His midah was the midah of Torah, of, of learning the Torah. But Yosef, his midah was the midah of emun, of trust, of faith, supernatural faith. For him at any point to say to a human being, don't forget me, remember me, that was a problem for him. His whole mahus, his whole essence was emun, was trust in God, supernatural trust in God. And the supernatural trust in God that he had was what brought about Nisim, miracles for him. The second he lost that supernatural trust, even for half a second, even a drop, that's when the supernatural Nisim left him. He lost it for two years. He had to stay in jail further. This point also explains why it was that Yaakov had to wait until Yosef was born, until he was ready to say, let's go back, now we can face off with Esau. Because Yosef is that power of Amuna, that absolute trust, that supernatural trust in God that offsets Esau's power. Interestingly, this supernatural ability is also what he taps into. He's the tzaddik yisoyed oilam. He's the one who has control over his animal passions. He taps into the supernatural power when he has his challenge with Potiphar's wife. That's how he's able to overcome that difficulty. That's another power that Mashiach ben Yosef has, that the way he's able to bring a revelation of the divine is also by tapping into the supernatural ability to stand above one's physical desires. That's Yosef, that's Mashiach ben Yosef. This dual nature of a Mashiach bin Yosef and a Mashiach bin David, these two different characteristics, that also explains a different question that we asked before. We asked, why is it that directly after the story with Yosef, where he's being sent down to Mitzrayim, right away, we have the story with Yehuda and Tamar. And the answer is because Yosef being sent down to Mitzrayim, that was where he was becoming, in a certain sense, the Mashiach bin Yosef of his generation. He was becoming the physical salvation of the Jewish people. When Yehuda was going to join with Tamar and create children, that was going to be the be the beginning of the Davidic dynasty that would eventually bring about Mashiach ben David. That's the connection. That's why those stories are told immediately one after the other. Now we're almost able to come back to the original dreams of Yosef. We're almost there. Soon, soon, we'll see. The Torah tells us that when Mashiach comes, right before Mashiach comes, so all of the heavens go dark. The stars, the sun, the moon, everything, all the celestial bodies go dark. And the Torah tells us that after Mashiach comes, after the Messiah comes, the sun is not going to provide us with light anymore. Who's going to be the light for us? God Himself is going to provide the light for us. What's the message here? What's going on? I mean, it's cute. The sun goes out. The sun goes on. What's happening here? And the explanation is because the stars and the moon and the sun, these are all celestial beings, celestial bodies that affect the world as we know it. The Hashem sends down His Ashpa, His his influx and His effects onto the world through the constellations. But before Mashiach comes, what happens? They get turned off. And the reason that they get turned off is to represent the fact that they are no longer, they don't have any power. They are nothing. They are Ephes, Vesoyu, absolute zero, because Hashem is the one who is really controlling everything. And that's the that's what happens right before Mashiach comes. It becomes clear to the entire world. There's one God. And that day, He's going to be, His name is going to be one. And his, and that's it. Everyone's going to know, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Everyone's going to know Hashem is one. He is the one who's controlling everything. That's what the stars going out represents. Listen to these verses in Joel, chapter 4, verse 15. It says, Shemesh the sun and the moon became dark and the stars have lost their shine and God from Zion shall roar and from Jerusalem he shall give his voice and the, the heavens and the earth will shake and God is protecting his nation and he gives strength to the people of Israel
unbelievably, when Rachel gives birth to Yosef, she names him Yosef, she says, Asaf Elikim Escharpasi, Hashem took away Asaf, my embarrassment. That's his name. Rashi brings down this verse in Yoel to prove that the word Asaf means to take away, because Hashem takes away the shine of the stars. That's Yosef's es- essence, taking away the shine of the stars, taking away the embarrassment of not being directly hooked into Hashem. With his emuna, with his trust, with his show of faith. That's how he brings down the supernatural into this world. That's how the stars get turned off. Their light is taken away by Yosef, who takes away their light because of his faith in Hashem, who brings down the light of Hashem directly upon the Jewish people, so that Hashem is their strength and their protector. In Yosef's second dream, it's no coincidence that these same stars and the same sun and the same moon, they're all bowing down to him. What does it mean to bow down? How does a star bow down? You know what bowing down means? Bowing down is showing, I am nothing, you are everything. That's what the stars were doing. They were disappearing. The sun and the moon, they were disappearing in front of Yosef's power, his power of Amunah. This was a totally different dream than the first dream. This, the first dream had to do with Yosef being in charge of the physical welfare of Klai Yisrael. That was important for him to have the effect he needed to have. He needed to be in charge of the physical welfare. That was the first dream. And they would bow down to him because of that, that necessity of him being in charge. But they would also bow down to him in a totally different place in the future when Mashiach comes. They would bow down to Yosef. What does it mean they'll bow down to Mashiach ben Yosef? The 11 stars, the Jewish people were going to bow down to Yosef's we're going to make the stars and the sun and the moon disappear. We're going to tap into that eternal light, the light of Hashem. That's what's going on in this story. Unbelievable. Do you see how beautiful this dream was? He was giving, Hashem was giving him the key to his existence, the emunah, the faith, the ability for him to be able to survive for 22 years of difficulty until he finally saw his father again. How is that possible? Because he knew that the stars and the sun and the moon, they disappear. They bow down before his power, his power of Amuna, his power of trust in Hashem, his power of transcending the physical world and recognizing that there's no power but the power of Hashem. There's no light but the light of Hashem. May we merit very soon to see the stars go out, to see the light of Hashem being brought down upon the entire world with the Binyan Beis HaMegdash, with the rebuilding of the Temple, with the with our eyes let us see Mashiach ben Yosef, the man himself, Mashiach ben David, the man himself. Have a very good Shabbos. Thanks for listening.